So I thought this morning, and obviously it's our first meeting back and it's a, a great time just to kind of set our focus for the year ahead. And, and I've kind of put together almost a prelude to our vision. And it's something that's probably sent us with a little bit of homework for this week as well. And the, the title of the message is, oh, What Are Our Spiritual Health Checks? So Shanae and I, on um, our medical aid, we have to go and do all these health checks every year just to check where we are. And they're not for anything other than just to know that we, we're okay. And, and these health checks are important because it highlights what our cholesterol's like and it highlights what our body mass index is and all these different things. And it gives us an opportunity just to evaluate what are we doing and where are we. And last year... Coming into the, the new year, last year or the year before, could have even been the year before, um, I remember getting a word of recalibrating our equipment and making sure that our equipment was calibrated towards what we're doing. And, and if equipment's calibrated, you can measure things well. And, and this year, in line with that, is I've been reading a book, and it's a book called Ascent into Hell. And it's not, a, it's not a Christian book. It's a book of a guy, he's 38 years old, an IT guy who just randomly used to find things to challenge him. And he's a bit of a kind of a spirit of adventure. And he would find things out of his comfort zone that would kind of capture his attention. And then he would strive for that. And one of them was to run a marathon. So he started training and he ran a marathon. And, and when he was about 36 he, he stumbled upon a website to climb Everest. And this journey captured his attention. So he spent two years prepping to do an Everest climb. And he spent um, one expedition in the Himalayas. And he climbed another mountain to acclimatize to it. And, and the story ascent into hell is his journey. It's a two-month journey of climbing Everest. And I didn't realize that Everest takes two months to, to do it. But... You've got to acclimatize and you've got to get used to the altitude. So as you ascend up, so what happens is your blood cells start to increase and then you go back down and they, they often hike high and sleep low. And it gives an opportunity for your body to start acclimatizing to the altitude. Because if you just go straight up, uh, you'll actually probably die. Um, so you need to take this journey and it's a slow journey. And, and the one piece of equipment that he had that it didn't look like a lot of other people had, but every chapter referred to the altitude that he was going. So he would talk about the fact that they, from base camp to camp one, and then they'll give the altitude. Or they're going from the village up to base camp, and he'll give the altitude. And every chapter described what the altitude would be. And that became his measuring stick for his effectiveness. So he had an altimeter on his watch, and he was one of the few people that had it, because often he would be telling other people what the altitude was. So if he knew that he had to climb to 8,200 meters, for example, he would be checking his altitude, and, and sometimes taking a step, he would take a step, and he would breathe for 10 seconds, and then he would move the next foot, and he would breathe for 10 seconds. You don't know that this was a slow journey. It was a life-threatening journey. I mean, even on the mountain, there's every year they have fatalities. And he was aware of the cost. Not only the fact that there was a very slim chance of him actually summiting because of altitude sickness and all these other things that go with it that invariably wean the, 
the, the climbers out of the season. But there's a whole bunch of risks involved. But he was totally focused on his altimeter. And the one night he was sleeping at, at camp four and he hung his watch up to check the time and his watch actually froze. And the battery froze to the point that it stopped working and only once it was back on his wrist for a couple of hours did he start to get it back and he was so grateful that he got access to his altimeter again because this was his measuring stick and and this picture has been kind of playing in my mind over the last couple of weeks as we're looking towards the new year and and I've started kind of just feeling in my heart what are my spiritual health checks what is my altimeter for my spiritual walk to gauge my effectiveness and there are times where living out this life feels like you take a step and you have to breathe for 10 seconds before you take the next step and there are times when we feel good and things just seem to flow well and there seems to be a supernatural favor but we go through these seasons and ultimately we have a goal and, and I love the, the momentum shift in this Phil Wickham song about the beautiful, where it speaks about the wedding feast. And our goal is to be effective here, and one day we get the privilege of sitting at the wedding feast. Welcomed guest. Our name is on the invitation list. Um, you often see in these movies, these people will arrive at a place, and they'll, they'll check, and they'll They'll put their name out. Sorry, you're not on the list. No, our name is on the list. And uh, John <laughs> C. Davis pointing at you about your is it New Year's with uh, your name wasn't on the list. Should have been. <laughs> but we've got this goal and we journey through life. And, and the reality is we have our ups and our downs. We have our good times. We have our bad times. Um, in the last little while, I've just seen some of the turmoil that's going on around us. I mean, we look at what happened in Palm Lakes recently and, and how horrific that is. Um, it's, it, the world is wounded and it's broken. And the one thing that struck me about this gentleman, old Fergus White, this Irish IT guy who decided to climb Everest, is although you do the best you can, you know that you have to focus on getting yourself to the summit and it's very difficult to help anyone else because you yourself don't have enough capacity to do it and as Christians we are so privileged by the fact that God gives us a supernatural capacity to impact the lives of those around us that we never have to do this journey in isolation in actual fact we always have an outward focus and Dave I love your picture of um, seeing the beautiful face of Jesus in the lives of people and um, just the, the impact of that so I'm gonna just read here but I don't want to us as we go through this and I'm going to share a few of mine and I've gone through five questions that I'm asking myself to reflect on what is my spiritual health like and, and to be honest with you some of them I scored rather low is probably why they're the questions that I felt God gave me for the season. And, and we got to be careful that we don't do this exercise and allow the enemy to bring condemnation for areas where there's room for improvement. The other thing is we can't do this by checking our religious practices. But we truly need to check the effectiveness of our faith. So it's not just 
I'm doing this every day, I wake up and I do this and I'm ticking the boxes. It's, it's a deeper heart thing that I feel that God's challenging us in and just to prepare for, for the week ahead. In Galatians 5 from verse 22 to 26 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all incredible character things. So against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its possessions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. There was one patch in this book where this guy had to climb a new route because snow had fallen the day before. And every other climb he did, he would follow the footsteps of the climbers that went before him. And it made it so much easier. If there was a footprint to follow, you knew where to go. And, and in it, you have these giant crevasses that are these incredibly deep like holes that some of them look like they go down for eternity. And if you miss your step, you have a problem. But if there's someone that's gone before you and you can follow their footprints, it's amazing how much safer the journey is. For us, my first question is, am I walking in step with the Spirit? It's amazing how Holy Spirit goes before us and He actually leaves footprints for us to step in. And unlike when a father walks on the beach with their child and this poor kid has to stretch every step, He does it in a way that we can actually align our feet with His. And as He steps, so we step. And He steps in, in a line in accordance with his perfect will over our lives. And, and some of the sub-questions I have in that is, do I desire to walk in step with the Spirit? And to be honest with you, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I think I wish I had my life in my hands and I can just make decisions that are purely me-focused and I could on a whim choose to do what I want to do with my life because that would be awesome just to... <coughs> Give up all the hardships, give up the challenges, go maybe tour the world, go do like a, like a trip and road trip through North America and just because I can. But God's called us here for this season. So there are times where walking in step with the Spirit is not high on my agenda list. The second thing is in line with that is what fruit do I see and am I pursuing the fruit of the Spirit? Am I seeing the fruit that's coming up? I was sitting yesterday with Emmanuel and he flew to Cape Town last night. The moving truck came and packed up their house on Friday. So I spent some time with him yesterday and, and him and I were going through some of the prepping together. And it was quite a, a special moment for me just to have some of his insights into this message. And, and we were looking outside and, and on the left there next to the Strelitzia there's that tree. I'm not sure what it's called, but you can see it's thriving. And if you look on the right hand side of our garden, you can see the same tree that's orange and doesn't look to be the healthiest. Um, when we went away two weeks ago, both of them were in pretty good health. But we came back and one of them has just turned. And the thing is... Health is not what people can see, but actually what is happening under the surface that leads to what people can see. 
And, and in this time of reflection, we've got to look under the surface. What's happening with our roots? I think it's Psalm 1 that says, um, speaks of trees planted next to the water and they yield their fruit in season. Why? Because their roots are in a fruitful place. Something about where that is planted is different to where that is planted. And I'm trusting that it will recover. It's still alive. We checked it and it's still green on the inside. But something has shifted in the last couple of weeks. Whereas that one is blossoming, it leaves are green, it's healthy, and, and something in the, underneath is happening that is, is good. Romans 12 from verse 1 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. Now, we're going to know that there's an incredible social pressure for us to be conformed to this world. Everything we believe in and stand for is taken into question and there's a pressure for us to under love and acceptance to conform ourselves to this world but here God's challenging us saying actually do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of them of your mind and my second question to, to, to myself was do I see that my mind is being renewed from this world and being made more like Jesus recognizing that our mind is the most personal reflection of our hearts. So do I see Jesus in my thought life? Only I can truly know the depths of my heart. Even Shanae, who is my most intimate human companion, who knows me better than anyone else, cannot fully see the depths of my heart. She sees what I show her. And, and for me, if my mind is the most personal reflection of my heart, I need to go and question, do I see Jesus in my thought life? Do I see Jesus in the depth of my heart? Is it an out, out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks? Am I seeing that manifest? The next question is, am I seeing the will of God unfold in my life? And do I recognize my purpose in the will of God? It's all good and well for us to have a vision for our church and we, we're trusting for amazing things and we want to see a venue. But what is the purpose of what we're doing and how does my life align to that? I don't want anyone, Tyron often says this, I don't want anyone to give up their will for their lives, to take up my will for their lives. But we all want to surrender our will for our lives to take up His will, the King's will, Jesus' will for our lives. We trust that He gives us a vision, but do we recognize that we have purpose in accordance with that? Each one of us. I was looking at some of the church leaders just following some of the, the kind of prophetic utterings that are coming through. And I like to do this every year because I like to see the trends that are coming through globally. Just some of the things that 
might apply, might not apply to us. But what is what is happening? Because I often see that when when the spirit starts to speak, you'll see a similar message start to to unfold globally. Because although we are adventure church, we are still part of the church. And we hear what the Spirit says. Revelation, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And, and one of them is the purpose of older folk in the church. That there's a recognition of the purpose that they have in raising up younger people. And Dave, I know you often walk past the retirement village. And, and you go there and you, you contend over those people. I'm trusting that this year we're going to see an influx of those people coming here. And they're going to add value to what we're doing. They're going to come and bring insight and impartation to our people. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me all you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn for me, from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Question four. Am I fully offloading my burdens unto Christ? To do this requires faith that he will not let us down. So do I know and trust the character of Jesus? And in that am I finding rest for my soul? says, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. He reveals his character that we can hold on to. And now the context of this is... When you would have a young oxen, you would always yoke the young oxen to the more mature oxen. And what would happen is the young oxen would start to push ahead and start to push ahead because he wouldn't know the way. He wouldn't know how long the journey was. He wouldn't know the load that they had to bear. But the older, more mature oxen would know. So this young oxen would pull and pull. And what happened is the yoke would start chafing its neck. And eventually it would become uncomfortable. And the pain of chafing would go when it started to walk in step with the older oxen. Because then all of a sudden the yoke never felt uncomfortable. And that's how they broke in a new oxen. This young oxen is to break in to understand the journey and understand the weight was to walk in step with the one who knew the way. And Jesus says, come and take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But we do need to know and trust the character of Jesus in order for that to take place. I've been toiling with some of that recently. It's almost as if I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to hold on to my burdens. I'm going to have faith that you're going to impact them, but I'm not going to let go of them. Just in case you don't come through, at least then I've still got control. Am I fully offloading my burdens onto Christ? Shanae sent me a quote this week, and I'm not sure where the quote came from. But it says, worrying doesn't take away tomorrow's troubles, it just takes away today's peace. I thought, sure, what a profound statement. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Say that again. The Spirit Himself 
bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Number five, am I secure in my identity in Jesus? Aware that I'm a son and not a slave. Am I willing for Holy Spirit to testify against my insecurity? And am I secure enough to suffer for the sake of Christ? I went surfing yesterday morning and I walked onto the beach and we've had a, it feels like I've been a bit of a tough season and um, there's been a, a bit of a lull with things in our lives, just Shana and I personally and our business seems to have been in a lull and, and, and I feel like it's been a bit of a hard season and I walked onto the beach yesterday and all of a sudden I was gripped by insecurity. And I realized in that moment, as I had lost sight of my identity in Jesus, and it was amazing, I was in, in the water, I was on my surfboard on the back line, and I had an opportunity for Holy Spirit to testify to my spirit. Just to remind me, you've been called, you're my son, I've got this. Remind me of the character so that I can trust it. To also remind me that I suffer because Jesus suffered. And it's part of the, the thing we signed up for. Sometimes we look at it and I get almost miff with God saying, but Lord, why? It's a mission. Why, why? Life should be easier. Why are we toiling like this? It's hard. Why is it hard? It should be easier. It's part of what I signed up for. But when my insecurity starts to rise, my security in suffering starts to decrease. Because all of a sudden, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not okay to do this. But when your identity is linked to Him, there's a security in who He is and the fact that He's a God of the impossible. Sharing with our girls the other day, we were driving in Joburg, and I can't remember what sparked it. But we were saying it's amazing when you get to a point where you become desperate for the miraculous to take place because the reality is the solution is outside of your control. And there's something special about not knowing how the things will unfold but waiting on God for Him to bring that unfolding. How's He going to do it? I don't know. And we look back and we see what He did and we see His intervention. We think, sure, Lord. So I want to end off with this. And it's 2 Peter 1 from verse 5 to 11. And it's indicators of an effective Christian. And it says from verse 5, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. It's amazing. Steadfastness is one of the hardest things to do. And I was reading this book, and as Al Fergus was looking at his altimeter, he would remind himself that no matter how sore he was, he just had to put one foot in front of the other. 
And even if putting that one foot in front of the other required a moment in between just to take a breath, just to breathe, just to find the energy and you put the next one in front, in order to achieve the goal, he had to be faithful in moving one foot from the next. So steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. It's amazing how this progresses. It, it starts to invite in the lives of those around us. I often encourage people when they say, oh, it's, it's me first, I mean it's, it's God first, my wife second, my church third and then my job and, and they go through this whole list of kids and they and, and, and I was challenged by that to say actually it's God first and me second because everything else comes from a byproduct of how healthy my relationship is with him so if I can prioritize that and I'm in a good space it's amazing how other people start to follow love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength and then love your neighbor as you love yourself if we are healthy in our walk with God, it's amazing how we can love those around us and we have capacity to impact their lives. It says in verse 8, For these qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just pray that prophetically over us, that these qualities will be increasing and we will recognize that they are ours. We have access to these qualities. And the byproduct of that, not a message of condemnation, but there's a, there's a promise in that, that the byproduct of these things is that we will be effective and fruitful in our knowledge of, of Jesus. It says in verse 9, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. And I think that's twofold. On the one hand, that's the Holy Spirit testifying to us again, saying, don't forget who you are. But on the other hand, we can't become conceited in thinking, we've got this. Actually, do you know the former self of where we were rescued from? And therefore, we can have grace that other people need to be rescued from that as well. It says, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus. So my encouragement for us is just as the week goes on. Take a moment and inquire of God, Lord, what are the, the questions I need to pose to myself to test my spiritual health? Just, what are the things? And, and, and let's be honest. Let's be open. Let's not give room for the enemy to bring condemnation because condemnation wants to separate us from the presence of God. But allow Holy Spirit to bring conviction where conviction is required. And if there's areas where you're excelling in, that's fantastic. Celebrate those. Where you see fruit, celebrate the fruit. I'm not saying this so that we can go back and think, I'm not effective here, I'm not effective here, oh, I'm just a useless Christian. No, 
but it's to challenge us to press in. And, and where does this stuff change? In the presence of God. Not by works, but by His presence. If we're finding that we're not truly knowing and trusting His character, let's inquire of Him. Again, just the, the words of that song, I see your face and it's beautiful. And, I, and, and I, I, it's going to remind us, Moses could not look upon the glory of God. He couldn't look upon the face of God. But because of our identity, we get to see His face and see it's beautiful. It's in that place that God does the establishing. So, Lord, I pray Father, for us. I pray, Lord, that you will be with us, that you will speak to us, that you will ignite us, Lord. I pray, Father, for our effectiveness. I pray for our season ahead. I pray for our journey into 2023 and the lives of those who you have destined for our lives to cross. Lord, I pray for our own vulnerability, that we will be open to those others speaking in. And Father, I pray for a security in our identity that we will be comfortable to speak out. Lord, I thank you that you've never destined for us to do this journey alone. But we get to walk in step with you and we get to have people around us. We get to hold up their arms and they get to hold up ours as we walk in the fullness of who you've called us to be so that we can enter your eternal kingdom with everything richly provided for. So, Father, I pray this over us now, Lord, and I pray, Father, for grace and mercy. I pray against any condemnation. I pray, Lord, for an excitement to stir as a result of this process. I came towards the end of December feeling quite despondent, but there's an excitement stirring up within me. So, Lord, I just pray that over us, Lord, a supernatural excitement. King, we love you, we honor you, we give you all the praise and the glory for you alone are worthy. And we thank you for the privilege of being able to journey with you. Holy Spirit, we pray for more of you in our lives, a sensitivity to your voice and the grace to surrender all in accordance with your will. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.